Today's episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by ibme.com. We know that mindfulness practices support healing and good mental health in our teens and in ourselves. IBME knows this, and they have been teaching teens mindfulness and meditation practices for years. And then last year, when COVID struck, they moved their practices online to keep supporting our teens. They're continuing online training retreats and programs, things like their monthly Rainbow Family LGBTQIA community meditations, weekly communities of color meditations, weekly live meditations, equity and interdependence community conversations, and more. Just go to ibme.com and check the calendar for the latest scheduling. And while you're on there, be sure to check out their summer retreat schedule. They're going to have both online and in-person retreats this summer, including a retreat for communities of color and their first LBGTQIA retreat. Just go to ibme.com and check the calendar. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. Just a quick reminder to pop over to mightyparenting.com and grab your free email series on how to talk to your teen. So today we are talking about coming out. What does it look like? What does it mean? How can I navigate this? How can I love my child through this? Because for most parents, this is really uncharted territory. So we need some expert help to sort through the emotions and the ideas and the what to do and not to do. Our guest today is John Sovic. John is a therapist and a nationally recognized topic expert on creating LGBTQ affirming care and works with LGBTQ teens in their coming out process to help them discover their uniqueness as they explore their true identity. He also provides practical tools for both parents and teens as he assists in building a close and supportive family connection. John, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you, Sandy. It's so fun to be with you. And I have to share with you because this just happened. Now I'm not just a national speaker, I'm international. I just did a training with a group down in Australia. So yay. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I'm, I'm excited that you're able to spread this message further because you know, here at Mighty Parenting, we are all about strengthening our relationship with our kids. And we had an episode earlier on talking to our kids about sex, where we ended up talking also about LGBTQ. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And, it, and this is a very challenging thing for many parents for a variety of reasons. But the one thing we all agree on here at Mighty Parenting is that having a close connection with our kids, having that strong relationship and good communication is the best path for our kids to be able to remain mentally, emotionally well and happy as they move out into the world. And that's really what we want for our kids is we want them to be happy, well-functioning human beings in this world. Well, and absolutely. And if you really think about the coming out process, when your LGBTQ kid comes to you and for the very first time openly says, I'm gay, I'm bisexual, I'm queer, I'm transgender, I'm non-binary, 
that that is such an act of bravery and trust on their part. They are sharing something with you that they, even in the most supportive families, don't necessarily know how the reaction is going to be. And so there's so much anxiety and fear that comes up for these kids when they're ready to make this statement. And I think it just says a lot about any family where your kid feels that they can speak openly to you about this part of their identity. So as a parent, what if we're watching our child and we're seeing or sensing that this may be the case and yet they have not come to us? Should we be bringing that up or do we wait for them to go through their own process and come to a point where they're comfortable coming to us? Well, for me personally, and in the work that I do, I think the most supportive environment we can set up is a place where we let them know, not necessarily overtly, but sometimes on a more subtle level, that it will be okay for them to talk to us about this when they are ready. It is their story. It is their identity. It is their experience. And I feel, or I lean into the concept of, we need to let them be in charge of how they want to unveil this to the world. So what are ways parents can make an environment where a kid might feel like, okay, I could take this risk. It could be about like understanding, like what is language in the house about LGBTQ issues? What happens when a movie comes on? There's the new Hallmark movie this year about with a, with a gay couple in it. Like, are there snide remarks about it? Or is it sat around and just watched as a regular movie? When we read things about, uh, you know, the Supreme Court decisions that affect the LGBTQ community, are those phrases put in a positive, like, yes, this is really powerful, you know, that these things are coming in their support for the community? Or is it more like, wow, I can't believe how, you know, our nation's falling apart? That all of those pieces of the puzzle are going to add up to create an environment where a kid is going to find their own safety. And ultimately, I think creating that environment is part of a parent's duty early on. And then we have to trust when the kid is ready to speak openly about this piece of who they are. I think one of the most difficult situations is when a parent doesn't really feel okay with it because there are a lot of different beliefs in the world, right? And we've talked about other issues on our show where parents and kids aren't going to have the same beliefs, aren't going to see eye to eye. And yet this feels very different in, in what happens when we don't see eye to eye with our kid on this. So what do you have, you know, what advice, what help do you have for parents who are sitting there going, I'm kind of seeing in this, this in my kid and, and I am, I'm concerned about, it. I'm concerned about their safety or I'm concerned about their well-being or I have a moral issue with it, whatever that may be. Well, and I guess it's really about looking at this idea of belief versus identity. So if a parent has a belief, something that they've learned over their life experience that makes them feel that they aren't necessarily open or supportive to an LGBTQ child, we need to look at what that belief stems from and how it shows up in their world. Loving your child is kind of the number one thing, the, the, the assignment that we get given when we give birth to children in the world. And so I think it's really important to look at where that love can come from. I've talked to lots of religious and spiritual leaders over the course of my work, 
And what I find really fascinating is so many of them, when they have a parent who comes to them and says, you know, my child has come out, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't know if this agrees with my belief systems, is that they encourage that parent to take a quiet moment and pray to whoever their God is and to sit with that quietly and wait to hear what comes back. And in most cases, when someone is able to just openly offer that prayer and that moment, what they receive back is just love your child. I've heard this in case after case after case of parents looking at like conflicting belief systems. And we've encouraged this approach to sit with it. And the answer is always just love your child that they come back and they're able to be present with their kid as they go through this process together. That's interesting because of course, religious beliefs play such a, a great role in that. So what does loving your child look like through this process? You started with saying, well, first create an environment where they can feel safe coming to you to tell you who they actually are. What else goes into that? Well, I think there are, there are lots of layers that come into this. And when a kid comes out to a parent, usually the kid has been processing this thought, this feeling, this identity, this experience for quite a long time. And coming out to their parents is like a later down the line moment for them. For a lot of parents, it's the first time this subject is showing up in their household. And they're sitting there in a little bit of a shock a little bit of discomfort. And what I think is really important to understand is that when your child comes out to you, this is challenging all of the vision and hope that maybe when your child had been born that you saw. Um, I know with a lot of parents, like when their baby's born, they look into its eyes for the first time and they project forward a lifetime where their kids are going to go to high school and be a cheerleader or play on the basketball team or lead the science, you know, decathlon and then they're going to go to college and then they're going to get married and settle next door and have kids and a golden retriever and a white picket fence and all of these things that they project forward for their child and oftentimes when their kid comes out to them that dream is shattered and what i think is so important to understand in that moment is it's not that the child or the relationship has changed it's this dream that these parents have projected for their child and so I encourage both parents to understand you may be going through a little bit of a grieving process over this dream and to help my kids that I work with understand that their parents are going through a process that they may have already been exploring for themselves. And so by opening up that channel of understanding between parents and kids, sometimes it creates a little bit more space for everybody to really sit down and move a little bit deeper into that heart connection, into that feeling connection, into that supportive connection. Because initially, when kids come out to parents, the number one thing I say is embrace your kid, love your kid, stay calm, stay supportive, be patient, because all of you are now in this coming out process together, not just your kid, but the entire family. Well, that was one of the things that was interesting that you had said is that um, coming out as LBGTQ is a family-based process. Can you explain what that means and what that looks like? <laughs> so the reason why I say it's a family-based process, and this is in the most supportive way that we can make it happen, is a kid finally comes up with the bravery, the nerve, the, the internal understanding of belief. They come to their family and say, 
I am coming out, I am gay, I'm bisexual, I'm transgender. That in that moment, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are going to go into play. But it also means that I have now handed my story, my coming out, which I gave to you as a parent, it's in your hands, it's in your heart, it's in your mind. And now you're going to figure out, well, how do we come out? Are we going to tell your dad? Are we going to tell your mom? Are your brothers and sisters going to be part of this? Do we let extended family know? At what point do we let it be known in the community? And what is everybody's comfort level with that? That in that moment, the whole family is going to be part of a coming out process. And in its most beautiful integrated form, it's really powerful for everyone to go through this together. And I'm thinking about this, and this is kind of a, a big plan. <laughs> You're talking about you know, all these different people and things. So I'm wondering, like, how much of that do we let our child guide and how much input do we give into who we want to tell, what, when, how? Okay. So my first lead with that is follow your child's intuition. This is their story. This is their identity that they're sharing and coming out with. Um, I have parents that are incredibly well-meaning and a kid comes out to them and all of a sudden they're sending out a mass email. It's like, oh, we're excited, so excited. John just came out to us and we're so happy and proud of him for you know trusting us to come out. And we hope during the holidays that you'll all be just as proud as we are. Well, the kid has suddenly lost control of their story, how they wanted people to know. And remember, there are all kinds of layers in family dynamics. Maybe the kid didn't want grandma to know at this moment and wanted to tell them in person. Um, I think it's so important to really follow your kid's lead on this. And the other thing to always look at when we're looking at a coming out process, both for the kid's point of view and the family's point of view, is understanding layers of safety. Because ultimately, the safety of this process is one of the key components that I stress in my work with LGBTQ kids and their family that we need to make sure that these coming out moments are done in a safe and secure way. So if let's say the family is looking at a coming out process and there is a brother who we know is vibrantly anti-gay, then that needs to be a conversation between kid and parents as to what we're going to do with that piece of information. And so I think parents can provide a lens of you know, how do you feel about coming out to grandma? How do you feel about coming out to an uncle? How do you feel about being more open at school? But ultimately we need to follow the kids lead on this because this is their authentic identity. Well, and they're the one who has to go to school. They're the one who has to deal with the other family members and the parents do too. So I, I as I was saying that I went, they're the one who has to, and they are the, the first person who has to deal with it. it and you, as you said, this is their identity. And yet, as a parent, you're also going to be interacting with family members and school officials and people in the community. Mm -hmm. What I'm, I'm wondering if there are um, things that commonly happen or things for us to be aware of, like just have on our radar or certain tips for a parent handling it as a child's coming out, whether they're choosing to do that all at once, slowly, just to the family. So let's look at some of the, the best tactics any family can take in supporting their kid as they're coming out. I think the first moment when your kid comes out to you, 
And I don't know, you know, how many of you know your listeners have ever looked online at some of the coming out videos that people are posting. But the ones where the kids tend to feel the most successful and most supported is when they come to their parent with anxiety and fear in their voice and their eyes and their body. And they say the words, in this case, I am gay. And their parents just look at them and say, I love you. And they hug them and everybody has a good cry out. This is the most supportive moment you can make. This is creating and setting a foundation for your kid to know that they are loved and supported. As you're dealing as a parent with this news for yourself, the first thing is stay calm. Um, it's probably a shock for you. And it's okay to leave yourself a little bit of space to know how you're gonna react rather than feeling you have to come up with all the answers immediately. Um, be supportive. Once again, letting your kid know that you embrace them exactly as they are. Be patient with both your kid and yourself because this is a piece of identity development. And as we know, you all watch your kids grow up and you see how those identity pieces like shift and develop and change over time. And so we need to be patient to create the most supportive environment. Um, I think it's really vital too to let your kid know that you understand how hard this conversation is for them. Even if you're like one of those really cool families and everybody's like really you know, LGBTQ supportive, as we mentioned earlier, it's still a process for them. And I think it's really important to let them know that you understand how difficult it may have been to say those words out loud. Also, I think it's really vital that we do not expect our kids to have all the answers the minute that they come out to you. Um, they may not know the answers to questions that you have. And so to try and say like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Are you dating? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? that it's like, slow down, slow down. They may not have all the answers and the coming out thing is just the first tip of the iceberg that they're able to communicate with you. And understand that there are going to be all kinds of concerns that are gonna come up. And if the family can stay bonded and connected and together, that you can support each other in those in that process. I always think it's really important to look at, you know, if we have a family where both parents are still present, is to make sure that the parents are on board in how they're going to support this conversation and what it means for them and to be able to have space where they can process between themselves on their own as they're each going through their own feelings about this moment. So a few interesting things. One is um, actually backing up just a little bit. You were talking about how we need to not take control out of our kids' hands. And that's actually like one of the top three reasons that our kids don't tell us anything. I mean, any, any topic <laughs> under the sun, when right. you ask kids, why don't you tell your parents that? One of the top reasons is because we take over. And that scares them because then they have to deal with the fallout of whatever we decide to do. So that was interesting to me. This is just another situation, another conversation in the mighty parenting land where we do what we do every place else. Let them be in charge, ask some questions, be there, let them know that we love them, we've got their back. But you also said something else that I was having a little bit of trouble figuring out how this would look that it would be honest and still supportive. And you said 
Number one, stay calm. Give yourself some space to react. Mm -hmm. I, I'm having a little bit of a, well, depending what my reaction is, it might not feel real supportive to the kid. And yet you want this, this place of being able to be honest and keep that relationship, you know, honest and truthful and strong. How can we deal with, manage our emotions, our reactions, or should we, you know, how much should we manage them in that moment? Well, I think it's uh, similar in any moment that you have something big come up with one of your kids. I kind of lean to the philosophy that a parent shouldn't be processing their feelings and emotions with their kids in any situation, but instead they should be processing those with a spouse. They could process them with a therapist. If there is a close relative who is in and understand in this part of the coming out process, they've already been come out to, to be able to have people like that to talk to that parents need to find peers, people of their own experience to process their feelings with, rather than trying to process them with their kids. Because once again, your kid is already processing all of those feelings of their own, you know, in high school and college and, and, you know, all the feelings of hormones racing through their bodies, they've got enough on their plate as it is. So if we go and process with a spouse, and then we're able to come back and sit down and say like, hey, so now I kind of have had a chance to kind of like feel my way through this. I'm curious, so are you dating? Like to manage our own expectations of what this story means on a separate channel and then come back to our kids and be present with what they're able to talk to us about. Because in any situation where there's a big deal, we always know we're going to hit that wall. We're going to be like, oh, mom, you just don't understand. Or, oh, dad, you're just not cool. You're going to hit that, you know? And so I think this idea of being able to process separate from your kids is really important for parents. So when you said, you know, stay calm, give yourself space to react, you really were talking a different space. In that moment, what you told us was just, I love you and a hug is really yep. all that's the, all you need to come up with right in that moment. And, and being able to say, you know, I love you and give them a hug. And you can say, you know, this is, this is out of the blue, or this is new for me, or this is big. And, you know, I love you. And I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of time to process this. And I'd like to talk more later. Yeah. And I think that talking more later is such an important piece of the puzzle. I have lots of families and interestingly enough, this happens quite often with families that identify themselves as being very LGBTQ aware, is their kid will come out and it'll be like what we call a one and done. It's like, oh, okay, honey, I love you. And then nobody talks about it again. And in a weird way, that's like a passive shutdown of the value and importance of this moment. So I think the idea of always telling your kids no, hey, this is an ongoing conversation. There's space for you to talk to me more about this. Um, you know, I may have some questions that I'm going to come back to you with, but always setting up that there is future conversation, that this isn't just like, oh, okay, cool. And then never talking about it again. I do. I see that happen a lot. And it's really hard and frustrating on the kids. Well, that, I mean, it makes sense because everything else we talk about more than once, which is 
again, one of our themes here, right? But sometimes as a parent, we feel pressured. Like we have to have one big conversation. We have to have one big conversation about marijuana. We have to have one big conversation about consent. We have to have one big conversation about dating. Like, no, none of these is a single conversation. Relations, relationships, communication, all of this is multiple conversations. And just um, what I hear you telling us is, you know, set that up and take your child's, you know, take their lead, be willing to be lovingly curious, you know, come back and be present, be lovingly curious, but also have that space. I, I heard you say very clearly that parents need to, well, find support, whether it's a peer group or a counselor or therapist of your own, but to go find a space to process and work through things. And one of the things you mentioned was talking to the spouse. What if the two parents are not on the same page? Well, we find this happens quite often. And most of the time, what it has to do with lack of understanding of what it means for their child to be coming out to them. And information can be a powerful tool in that. So explore community resources, find education, social connections. Um, you know, let's say there's PFLAG, which is parents and friends of lesbian and gays, which also includes gender nonconforming and transgender kids. And it's an organization where parents come together and they meet and they have conversations. And what's really beautiful about it is this amazing supportive environment where if one spouse says, come on, I'm dragging you to this meeting, there's like, ah, oh, I can't believe I have to go. Well, guess what? They're going to find that same person at that meeting, someone who's either at the same place they are, have already gone through the process, are way ahead, are way behind, and they're going to find people that have had these same experiences and feelings that they're having. And so having an environment like that can be really important for a parent to see like, oh, I feel like my world just blew up, but I'm not the only parent who's going through this. I'm not the only parent who's experienced this. And that can usually be this beautiful bridge that starts walking, you know, the parent who is a little bit like antagonistic towards this experience, towards a more beautiful, powerful and affirming place. And I actually have found it really funny because oftentimes that parent who has the most difficulty with the coming out story, when they start attending a PFLAG meeting or find community support, they eventually turn out to be the most like powerful ally and they're out there marching in gay pride parades and hosting meetings at their house and doing write-in campaigns for, you know, for a policy and procedure in their local governments. So it's really a beautiful transition to experience and witness that happens quite often in these community-based support systems. That is interesting. And it is, is something everybody needs in whatever we're doing. Um, and I'm just curious, you talk about the parent's guide to self-care during their child's coming out process. We, we touched on a few different things in here. Are there other aspects of that that you would want our listeners to know about? Well, I think one thing that's really important is if you personally have questions about sexual orientation, gender identity, educate yourself. As I mentioned, PFLAG, uh, PFLAG.org has a beautiful site with lots of information that is really a focus towards parents. So it can give you this information in a very supportive and easy to digest uh, focus. There's also Trevor Project, which has a beautiful series of information also developed for parents and kids. There's Human Rights Campaign, which also has a large um, how to support your kid when they're coming out. So there's lots of information out there. 
And I think it's important for parents to pursue that as they're looking to find community resources. I also think it can really help a lot. And I'm just gonna take us there for a second, if you're okay, to understand And we say coming out process, it is a lifelong process. It's not something that just happens and now I am this way for the rest of my life. It is an ongoing piece of the puzzle. I mean, if I look back and reflect in my life experience, you know, I came out as a gay kid at like kind of 14 through 16 and was very well supported by my friends, by my family and had a great experience. Went away to college and suddenly I had to come out again to people that I was meeting there to pick and choose where I felt safe, where I didn't feel safe, who I want to know, who I didn't want to know, what kind of community I wanted to create. And then from there, going out into the workforce, understanding that there were certain work environments where it was totally okay for me to be open as a queer man. And also hitting other places where it was tacitly just like put out there that it may not be okay for you to to, to be as out as you want to be. And in each of those moments, it's a continuing and ongoing coming out process. So I think it's important for parents and kids to understand that this isn't just, once again, I come out and everything's set for life, but that we keep going through this. And also for parents to understand that even as an adult queer man, when I go out into my local community and I've had uh, dinner with my husband, and I'm walking back to the car, and I have this desire to just reach down and hold his hand. That in that moment, I have to scan my surroundings. I have to look around and I have to make a judgment based on what I see and what I feel. Is it safe for me to hold my husband's hand as we're walking back on date night? And that's something that is constantly present in every LGBTQ person's experience. And to understand that even when we come out and I am fully affirmed in who I am and powerfully connected to my queer identity, that there's constantly this hypervigilance and this awareness of the world around me. So these are important things for parents to understand in a longer term picture. Well, it's so two things in there. One is you were talking what I heard in my head was still this, whatever their age, right? Let your child lead because you're going to decide when you're at college, as you said, who you want to know, who you don't want to know, where you feel safe, where you don't feel safe in work environments. And so as parents, we're still in that. We've got your back. We love you. And you choose, you lead. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm And I remember though, like calling my mom when I was at school and I was just like, oh my God, this is freaking me out because here I am having to come out again. And it's weird because, you know, in my high school, I was one of those kids, you know, I was in the drama department. I was on student council. I had like put around me all of those things that made me successful and likable. And that created a really great environment to be able to come out in. Here I was at college now, you know, going into this bigger pond and it's like, oh, I have to figure out who gets to know and why I want to tell them and who, who I don't want to keep this, uh, who I want to keep this from, because it doesn't quite feel like they're a person who I'm going to be safe with. And I remember calling her and talking about that. And initially, she kind of went into a shutdown shock energy because she didn't have any understanding that this was going to happen in my college experience. 
she had seen this happy kid who was having fun and had dated someone. And, you know, so going to college, when I called her, she was totally unprepared for that conversation. So I think to your point, Sandy, yes, parents need to understand that you are going to get calls from your kids over the course of their lifetime, and they're going to need your support the whole way through. Mm -hmm. And that goes to, again, parents needing their own support group, parents needing to take care of themselves and to, again, allow our kids to lead and not put our fears and things because you talked about, you know, you, you are oftentimes worried about physical safety as well as emotional safety in various surroundings. And that's one of the concerns that I hear from parents is they're worried about their child's safety. And, and that's a, a legitimate fear to have, but not something to place on our kids. It's something we need to work on and manage in our own space for any reason that we might be afraid for our child. And so having those self-care practices, having um, a support community of other parents is going to be key in that. And also understanding too, that for LGBTQ kids, that they are a minority status that often does not see themselves represented in the parental unit. So kids of color, kids with different abilities, um, they will often see themselves represented in their parents somewhere in the family. But LGBTQ kids often do not see that representation. And so it's important for parents to understand that there may be pieces of this that you assume but aren't necessarily the truth for your kid. And once again, creating a space of educating yourself and listening to them as they share. Like when I called my mom, it's like, this is really hard having to come out again in college and feel all the feelings again. As a cisgender heteronormative parent, you may not understand that, but you need to listen. And what I always say is listen to the feeling behind it, not the story that goes with it. It's like, wow, that must feel scary. Wow, that must feel lonely. Wow, that must feel frustrating. Get to the emotion of it. Share that emotion. Because that's the thing that we can connect on. That's the place where we can understand each other's stories. The, the old trope, oh, I know exactly how you feel. It's never true. We can say, wow, I have felt fear before. What's going? How's it for you? And I know I'm talking like a therapist right now, and I totally get that. Um, but it is important in those moments of connection to maybe connect on the emotional level rather than on the story level. Well, and I get why you feel like you're talking like a therapist, John, but that's our language in Mighty Parenting, right? Is to not jump in and take over because that's a reason our kids don't come to us, don't feel safe talking to us or sharing trouble with us or coming out to us. Also, it is not taking over the conversation whether you actually say, I know just how you feel, or you just start sharing a story to try to create connection, it doesn't create connection. What we've discovered is that this actually pushes our kids away. But I like the way that you narrowed that down and said, I've felt fear before, how is that for you? That to me does give that connection because it's a quick, wow, I've had an experience and I hear that you're, you're experiencing something. It could have some similarity, but it sounds like maybe it's different. And I want to know about that. I really like that wording that you used in there and how brief the parental piece of that is. Because we like to tell our kids stories about our lives. And, and we do think <laughs> we go back and tell the stories about what we did in our teen years or our college years. 
that somehow that makes a connection and, and it actually does the opposite. Well, and one thing to do too, and I love that you're sharing this philosophy with me of, of Mighty Parenting, because I think it is beautiful and powerful, is there's this really great acronym that you can use. Um, I received this in a trauma-based training that I was going through to be able to work more effectively with my clients. And in this, they have this acronym called WAIT. And WAIT means, why am I talking? And oftentimes when parents start going into this, like these long talks or these conversations or storytelling, it's because they're trying to manage their own discomfort in the moment. They're trying to you know, ameliorate whatever they're feeling. Maybe it's worry about their kid. Maybe it's some triggering energy that's coming up for them. I know one thing that I experience a lot is when kids start talking about I'm dating or having sex, parents trigger like crazy. So wait, why am I talking? Is a beautiful, beautiful thing to keep in the back of your brain when you find your mouth is running, but it's not connecting to something that's actually coming from your heart. That's, I like that acronym. I had not heard that one before. And it also brought to mind that sometimes some of us talk because we don't know what else to do or to say. And so we just start with this babbling, basically filling silence because <laughs> the silence is so uncomfortable that we figure it must be better if we're just talking about something. And that doesn't help either. That still, why am I talking? Hmm. Oh, I'm talking because I'm uncomfortable. Well, it's okay to be uncomfortable. We can sit there with our child and just be uncomfortable and, and that's well, okay. And the other thing that I get to experience as a therapist that I think is so powerful, and I try and really encourage parents with this, is let's face it, parents have an agenda, teachers have an agenda, coaches have an agenda, school staff, teachers, they all have an agenda on what they want a kid to turn out to be. And what I get to do in the therapy room is I get to actually learn about who they are, what their dreams are, how they want to be in the world. And that's one of the questions I use as well, rather than saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, how do you want to be when you grow up? Because I think this idea of taking all of these pressures of everybody else's agenda off of our kids' backs opens up this space for them to share these beautiful, beautiful thoughts that go through their brain. And I got to tell you, some of these kids blow me out of the water with the thoughts that they're having and the beliefs that they're forming. And in this process of coming out, there are lots of layers that are gonna play into this. And what an honor to be able to walk with your kid and to learn something from them about their experience, about their identity and about how they want to be in the world. And that leads us then full circle again to the other thing we've heard from many experts. And I imagine John, you work the same way, you know, same direction as helping people find their purpose. And I don't necessarily mean purpose in a big, huge existential sense. It's, you know, <laughs> and like you said, how do you want to be in the world? Because as I understand from the experts who've come on here is our kids having purpose, us, any human being having purpose is at the core of building self-esteem, which builds resilience and all of those emotional wellness skills and all that strength and happiness that parents want for their kids. And in the process of coming out, I think it's important to understand that initially when most kids come out, that is like the number one piece of how they identify themselves. That I'm a bisexual person, I'm an asexual person. Um, that that identity sits at the very, very top, the pinnacle of how they see themselves walking around in their world. 
but through the process of getting like feedback and reflection from their community by seeing how that identity plays out and how it's received over time, what happens is that it becomes a more integrated part of who we are. So for myself personally, right now, I'm a therapist, a husband, a dog owner, a gardener. I love to hike. I'm a yoga teacher and I'm queer. So it's a fully integrated piece of who I am. And if we can really just allow space for that to happen, it's really amazing and powerful to see how our kids develop that fuller sense of who they are. Oftentimes when someone says to someone, I'm gay, the first thing people do is they codify that in a language of, oh, you sleep with someone, like for me, oh, you sleep with men. But it's fascinating because my identity as a gay person is not just based on who I sleep with. It's based on the experiences that I've had to go out, uh, come through, about the idea of going through a coming out process and making decisions, like thought out decisions about who I want to be in the world and how I want to be seen. To look at introspection as I'm coming to terms with who I am as a gay person, to identify with my community and to integrate. These are processes I go through. And we're calling in the community a thing called essentialism. And it's the essence of who I am as a queer man, not just who I sleep with. And that right there is what parents can witness and experience and grow alongside their kids with as they're having these deeper supportive conversations. Oh, that's that's really beautiful, John. And I appreciate this knowledge that you have shared with us, the compassion you have for everybody involved in this process and for giving us some really simple and clear, maybe not easy, but simple and clear direction on how to support our kids, no matter where we fall, not being overly enthusiastic, not being against what they're doing, but, but actually loving this child and supporting them. So for anyone who wanted to learn more from you, I'll put links into all the websites you mentioned, but anyone who wanted to learn more or connect with you, how would they do that? So the best ways to find me are my website, which is johnsovec.com. There's also my other website, gayteentherapy.com. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at John Sovec, and on Facebook, at John Sovec Therapy and Counseling. And anybody who needs more information, please feel free to reach out to me, and I will help you connect into resources within your community that might help you and your family on this journey. Well, thank you again, John, for everything that you have shared with us today. Thank you. It's been wonderful talking with you and sharing this with your audience as well. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed the podcast or you know another parent who you think could use this information, please pass it along to them and also rate and review it in your favorite podcast players so other parents who need this can make their own parenting journey a little bit easier and better for their whole family. And remember, if you are here, if you are listening, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. <laughs>